0: Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, and Wound Pickups. Hey everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are very, very happy that you have chosen to spend your time sitting squarely in between Jared and Tony.
1: That's right. Welcome.
0: Sweating it out between those two guys
1: on an airplane.
0: (laughs) Oh geez. That's the worst thing I can think of right now. Oh my goodness. Welcome to the middle seat.
1: (laughs) Yep, Middle seat.
0: No, I just go sit in the bathroom Um, or the jump seat on somebody's lap on the jump seat. That would even be better but uh anyways yeah hey so here we are we're, t- we're gonna talk about awesome guitar stuff i don't know if you're aware of that on the show but uh that's what we do and we have got a very special guest tonight who are you special guest
2: uh, my name is dave gill i run baltimore sonic research institute make effects pedals in baltimore maryland
0: Woohoo! all right baltimore maryland making effects pedals that, that sounded like the uh, Saturday Night Live sketch Yeah, <laughs> Making copies. <laughs> Making copies. Making pedals. <laughs> dave aroni <laughs> Bringing the fuzz. All right. Uh, so we're going to learn all about Baltimore Sonic Research Institute, also a, or aka uh, BSRI. So you probably see more things that, that have a little logo that say like BSRI all over it, right? Yes, that's definitely true. Where can people go see and hear, not here, because you're listening to us, but as they're listening, where can they check out the pedals and such that you are making?
2: Uh, I'm at BSRI audio on Instagram and there's also YouTube demos uh, at BSRI audio.
0: Perfect. So take a minute and do that um, as, we're, as you're listening along or the next red light that you get to, just make sure that you go when it turns green you know not on our account we don't want you getting in an accident or anything uh we're gonna have a super fun time we're gonna learn all about the things that he's making he's making some pretty big noise pedals and um, they're they're really well made doggone it so uh very excited to learn more about dave gill and his work tony baloney what in the world do we do on this show besides talk to dave gill
3: well, I, I guess that you put it that way. Uh, we like to talk about gear and the makers of gear, specifically boutique gear. And that would include things like guitars and amps and pedals and accessories and, oh my goodness, all sorts of fun, fun, fun things. And we like to get
0: the story behind the story. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. So we're going to have a lot of that tonight. Um Dave, we're going to have fun, right? Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to have fun. Awesome. That's what I want to do. Or else. Here. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. So we're going to... We just have an a announcement or two real quick, and then we're going to get Road. into what's going on <laughs> in our music world this week, starting off with... Yeah. With, Rode. There you go. <laughs> we need to thank uh, Rode mics for providing the Rodecaster Pro, this beautiful machine sitting on the desk right now, uh, which we're, and I'm I'm in our interim studio. It's not. It doesn't feel like hours just yet, uh, but you know, it, it's it's something. It's something. Hmm. So, uh, anyways, so Rode provides that, and we're super grateful for that. And they also provide the Procaster mics which we love and adore. Mm. And we do. The, they uh, are lovely. And I have an articulating arm right here, Tony. Oh, I am so jealous. I know. I am I so know. jealous. I miss my articulating arm. I know. <laughs> well, ever since that whaling accident, uh, you know, I understand. <laughs> I don't even uh, know. To...
3: Never bring that up again.
0: <laughs> uh, hey, I wanted to, uh, actually speaking of bring up, I um, we have a, a new patron Uh, Named Murdoch Swales. Ooh, I like that name. I like the name. I believe it's coming out of Birmingham, the UK. I don't know if if they say the in front of UK or if they just say Birmingham, UK. Probably just UK, like university or holiday. They don't say. They don't use the. I think they use. I think I I think they just say Uck. Ugh! Yes, <laughs> uh, clever boy. All right. Uh, anyway, so uh, he said he sent in. Just you know, when I when people sign up for Patreon, I like to find out a little bit about them, get to know them a little bit. And uh, so in our discussion, he said, um, "I discovered the show during lockdown. As I've just recently begun building my own pedals. Awesome! I we need like a we need Sweet. one of those like barbells, not a barbell that you you know get ripped with, but um." Well, actually, you could get ripped with a barbell. Hey, that's clever right there. I'm thinking of the bells behind the bar that they ring when somebody does a big tip. Stay on task. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyways, we need the, the bell behind the bar when someone, you know, does a... Like, hey, I'm building something as a result of the show. So he said, i am recently begun building my own pedals. I'm sure you're all aware of how niche this stuff can be. Uh, So it's nice to know I'm not the only gearhead out there. This must be how comic book movie fans felt for the last 15 years. Parentheses, he said, as an avid comic book fan also. Parentheses. Hmm. So uh, he shared what he's kind of currently using right now. And uh, he said, so currently... I'm using uh, a few more pedals: the Double Ot Two, as they would say, over in the Uck, uh, the 90 Orange and Green Mile. So those are three, along with the Digital uh, Delay Digital and a Crybaby, and that says all being pumped into an 80s Fender Princeton, the one with the big gold reverb brick in it. My guitars are a Strat. Fender Strat and a hey. uh, <laughs> and uh, an ESP Les Paul. And he says, Now, hey, don't believe the bad hype. It kicks the expletive out of <laughs> the, uh, the old Gibson I had. And i been as PGM because just because and a cigar box. Um, a pal of mine made. So that's his little collection of music gear. And nice. that gives us a nice view into his world. Like what is it, you know, if you go, if you just close your eyes for a second and go, boom, we're dark swales. And you see a dude sitting in a room playing all that stuff. That's what you got. So thanks, nice. man.
1: Yeah. I it. have owned an ESP Les Paul. They are really good guitars. They're, they're a great guitar. Yeah. I just wanted to, yeah. I just Lots want to let people you know, play them. Hey,
0: they're yeah.
1: A good. One. Yeah, it's a yeah. Good guitar.
0: So uh, we appreciate that. Um, I have another big announcement. And Tony, uh, well, actually, Tony and Jared, I did have to let you in on it because I, I required a photo, which you so unbelievably begrudgingly <laughs> provided. It's you-
1: never good enough for Tony, everybody, just so you know. or I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no, thanks. Never Dad good Jared. enough for Todd. Dad never Jared. good enough for Todd. Never.
0: It isn't. You know why? Nothing. Because we only do the best here, dude. That's why. What do you expect? So, so here's the deal, people. Uh, we have had so many requests for, uh, to, for, a, for you know, to build up to YouTube. Originally, I put out about 60 episodes, and I, I had to do them all by hand because there wasn't really an automated way to do it, and I was retroactively um, uploading them, and it was an absolute nightmare, and I wanted to smash things. Well, recently I decided, you know what? I think I got an automated way to do this. So they are still currently queued. 185 episodes are currently being uploaded to YouTube. So that means that after you watch, you know, uh, Secret Life of Zach and Cody or whatever, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're quote unquote not watching on TV or whatever um, on YouTube, you can queue this up. And you can listen to it, you know, in between the those awesome pedal uh, demos that you're that you're seeking out, and or swinging over to a Baltimore Sonic Research Institute channel, you know, and then you go like, hey, cool, now I can now I can listen to the episode, and then go right over to to uh, listening to some demos and watching some stuff. So, people, 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 be on the lookout because we our, our entire library is going to be up on YouTube. And hopefully more things beyond that in the, in the not so distant future. Okay? So there. Don't say I never did anything for you. You never did anything
1: for
3: Shut me. Shut
0: it. You made right. it take 5,000 pictures nope. for you to choose one? No, and, and uh, Dave, I would just want to illustrate something. I 30 said, different hey, Jared, times. Jared, give me a couple pictures, you know, like an animated Jared, like having fun, Jared. He sent me four pictures that were identical, looking like someone <laughs> shortchanged him at the Chinese takeout. <laughs> I mean, that's probably what I'd send you to. Yeah, it was super classic. I just
1: want to give everybody what you know, the real me.
0: Yeah. I, but that's not mm-hmm. the real you. That's not the real you, Jerry. You're, no. you're an affable, lovable character, not a giant monolith. That's only one I'm like around. like an Easter, you look hey, like an Easter Island figure. when I'm though.
1: like that when I'm around you guys. I'm the happy guy when I'm around you two. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: All right. I mean, you're depressed when you're
1: not. No, that's right. When I'm not around my two good buddies, yeah. You know, it sucks. I want to have fun all the time. Come
0: on. Yeah, well, I do too, so let's get on with this. Hey, uh, Dave, we're going to find out what's going on in our music world this week. We're going to start off with Tony, and then we're going to kick it over to you, okay? Sounds good. All right. Tony Baloney, do it.
3: Okay, well, uh, exactly a week ago today, a surgeon yanked my gallbladder from my body. Which
2: yes. is a
0: real bummer, because you were
3: in for tonsils.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, the funny thing was, when he came in uh, prior to the surgery, he says, Okay, uh, Tony, we're here to do your breast implants. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I said, uh, Let's I've work on the gallbladder first. <laughs> yeah, I
1: with The ones I have now. <laughs> yeah.
3: Exactly. What are you saying? Um, but... Uh, so I haven't been doing a whole heck of a lot other than I, I kind of rearranged my uh, my guitar books upstairs. I kind of put like the, all the Gibson stuff with Gibsons and the Fender stuff with Fenders. Oh, nice! I was just kind of bored, and um, so I was rearranging some of those things a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I was just uh, just kind of recuperating, taking it easy. But uh, uh, yesterday was my first day back at the shop, so I, I started back in, and I've got quite the backlog, but I will get caught up. And if anybody out there is waiting and listening, I will get to it as soon as I can.
0: Perfect. Perfect. <clears throat> uh, so let's hear from our friend Dave. What's going on in your music world this week?
2: A lot of a lot of non-pedal stuff like doing uh, some guitar repair. I've been doing a lot of fret work lately, just getting bunch of guitars that I have leveled out and recrowned and playing back to tip top shape. It's funny you guys mentioned the ESP Les Paul earlier. I've been playing like a bottom of the barrel ESP baritone for like eight years because it ends up beating out a lot of other stuff for sounding good, but it was never made very well and I finally leveled the press on it today and now it plays great. So it's got another 10 years in it at least. Oh, fantastic.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Um. Uh, what? Just by. Uh, by the way, what is your number one? What's your number one guitar?
2: Uh, it's well, I guess like in terms of uh, getting the most play, it's between an LTD EC four hundred one B, like a matte black Les Paul looking baritone, or um, a a Schecter Ultra Two, which is kind of their weird combination. Like Firebird, but it has humbuckers and a stop tail piece and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird looking body. But I was thinking about this earlier today. I've had so many like nice, fancy, expensive guitars in my life, but those are the guitars. The cheap ones are the ones that end up on records and go on tour, and everything gets written on them because I'm not afraid to hurt them, and then they get played more sincerely.
0: That's that's an uh, interesting uh, insight.
2: Yeah, it's like okay. I have handful of nice things but they end up staying in cases because i don't want to like, wail on them and then look down half an hour later and there's a huge pile of pick scrapes across some sort of flame top or something yeah mm.
0: that so, is a tricky especially, one. When it's a,
2: especially when it's an expensive guitar you don't want to like put that first ding on it and this is just like i feel like i can play something i don't care about way better
0: yeah That's, that's true. Well, you could, why don't, you should sell one of those really expensive ones and get like five ones that you don't care about. That's what I've been doing lately. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Very cool. All right. Uh, Jared, what's up?
1: Um, so I've been,
0: uh, when I do rewinds
1: in my shop, uh, I sometimes typically need to, I, well, I typically need to, uh, Uh, build new bobbins for the really weird guitars pickups out there that um i don't know that just weren't built very well in the first place i kind of like to rebuild pickups to last and to sound better and to be more rigid um maybe user friendly if you will too because the more fragile they are the more people you know they drop it and then oh no i gotta send it back now so uh the laser machine I use is from China. And uh, it's really, really crappy. And it's kind of a Frankenstein now. Um, it's, you know, I actually, it's my second one. I burnt the first one twice. <laughs> and uh, this one is just wore down. I've had to replace the laser tube twice and yaddy, daddy. So, it's time to quit messing around with the $400 laser. And uh, I'm looking at getting uh, an American made laser now. And they're, you know, much, 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 much more expensive. So, I'm really, really excited about that. Not only am I going to have a, uh, uh, a really good laser, but it's going to be uh, lasting a long time. I can actually build product and sell it out of the laser. Cause it's hmm. such a good laser and I can mass produce. It's going to be so much larger, bigger, better, faster. Uh, yeah. What, what, what
3: lasers are you looking at?
1: Epilogue. Epilogue. Yeah. That's, I was yeah, going to recommend that. They're the that Cadillac. Yep, yep. They're the Cadillac of lasers. So I'm kind of looking at those. I, I wanted the 18 it's called a mini 18 and they don't make them anymore. Um, they're a little over 10 grand on sale right now, but they're not because Zoinks. they don't make it anymore. Yeah, they don't make those anymore. So I'm looking at a 15k for a laser. What? Yep. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Yep. 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 Yeah, but you can make your money back on those selling, you know, flat work and pickup work and stuff like you know. Uh, yeah, parts that, for pickups up other builders. Yeah,
3: the epilogue stuff is solid. I mean, and you, yeah, you're not going to be replacing things. I mean, the, the the downside of lasers is you're always changing tubes. The more you use it. I mean that's the that's I th- that's the price of cutting stuff.
1: I think the technology they use is where I would have to get it recharged. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. So it's it's just a better technology altogether. Yeah, the China stuff is cheap, but it's China. It's garbage.
0: Well, so <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, so
1: anyway, that that's pretty much the biggest thing going on with me.
3: Cool. Yeah. Well, when you get your epilogue in, let me know and you can start cutting <laughs> templates for me.
1: Probably. Yep. I know you can. Yeah, I've seen you do over. it. Yep. Yeah. If you've seen the future, I can do it.
0: Well, it'll cut <laughs> How a about template. You, Todd? It'll cut a template because we know it's burning money. Hey, oh. That's right. Oh, what <sighs> about you, Todd? Day? Well, after our last episode, one of our last episodes, by this time you will have heard one in between. Um, one of our last episodes was a home recording 101. And it mm. just so happened that that was one of the things that uh, I then had a big band meeting about, uh, like, hey, typically the way that we're writing music is not getting done because we're really struggling getting together. So I decided, okay, well, I'm going to have to start doing this sort of the home recording way, at least to get a song started and hand it off. So we're going to be passing it around until we can be meeting up again. And one of the things that I decided I wanted to get because of the spatial area that I've got uh, working at home was I, th- I said I want to find a, a clamp that I can hook up on my Supro that'll hold the mic in all the time so I don't have to you know be monkeying around with a mic and stuff so I did uh, some research and I found one at Sweetwater uh, called the Audix with an X cab grabber guitar amp microphone holder <laughs> Um, well, that's pretty much to the point, isn't it? it? It is. It's a good thing that that name was available. <laughs> um, so, it, essentially, it just it it uh, it's almost like um. Well, it's uh, I'm trying to think of what it it. I mean, it's just a, it looks like a tiny mic stand, except it's got an extension. So when you when you close the uh, the two pieces together, it hooks onto the side of your amp. So it doesn't get go over the top, doesn't get in the way, it doesn't require being stuck on the bottom. There's a couple that like will clamp onto the lip, or you know, if you have a recessed grill on the mm-hmm. Supro, I don't have a recessed grill, so I was like, well, I need to find something that's going to work. And then it has a bent arm that kind of goes around the front. So it's uh, forty nine bucks. I think it probably should be more along twenty nine, but they're the only ones making it, so. <laughs> They can charge whatever they want. You're paying for the name. I'm I'm paying for all those letters. That's exactly what I'm doing. That's I, a lot of work to write. I did out. work it out, and it's four twenty nine per letter. So, there
1: you go.
3: There you go. <laughs>
0: um. Anyways. Uh. So yeah, I'm kind of excited to get that because then I can keep it. I can just have it on, like attached to the amp, as the whole time I'm there at at the house, and I can just run it right over and say, oh, cool, I got a good idea. Flip the stuff on and and I'm away. And off I go. You sound lazy. I sound efficient.
2: (laughs) Dave, do you think that's lazy or efficient? I mean, that's the, the thing that's a pain about recording is all of the setup and managing all the infrastructure. So respect to you for actually trying to do a mic solution rather than just like a an amp sim in the DAW just yeah. to get the idea down.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I Tony. still say you're lazy. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, uh, so that was a lot of fun. Um, so was this one, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. Oh, Hey Todd.
3: Hmm. Are you there? I am. You know, we know that tour gear
0: designs make great cables, but can you tell me exactly what makes them so great? I don't have enough time to tell you exactly what makes them great, but I can tell, I can, I'll give you this, all right? Uh, the flexible cables and smart angled design of the connectors enable easy plugging and optimal signal chain for pedal board routing. Woo! I know. I, I just thought of that right off the top of my head just now. Uh, you can twist it, you can turn it, you can stretch it just like Jared. and. uh <laughs> it will withstand your unbridled enthusiasm and match your energy. Or if you're trying to take it apart to see what it's made of and are really curious about it, it'll withstand that too. We did it. I it don't encourage doing me. that. It withstood me. It did. Tony gave it his all. That's how good they are. Uh, I have that one. It still works. Yeah, of course it does while the twisted copper housing reduces any possible interference with our premium PVC mantle, which warrants a long lasting experience. So that PVC mounting is important because think about like when you're trying to jam all those pedals, you know, right next to each other. If you got, if you got those metal pancake jacks or something and they're touching, that can cause problems. Ain't going to happen. It's going to, it won't always, but it certainly can. And, no, uh, I said right. it ain't going to happen, so it ain't going to happen. Okay, all right. Hey, you know better. <laughs> so anyways, uh, we highly recommend Tour Gear Designs for, the, for your patch cable needs. All kinds of different links. Killer product. And if you go to tourgeardesigns.com forward slash discount forward slash the guitar knobs, you're going to save 10% on your entire order. That's a lot of forward slashes. It is. I just went and ordered a whole bunch of them about three days ago. Nice. I did. Did you? Did you use the discount code? Of course I did. <laughs> use my own <laughs> discount code. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyways, make sure you check that out. Go to the website and then just do discount uh, forward slash the guitar knobs. And the cool thing is, you don't have to enter any codes. It automatically adjusts the price as soon as you get there. The price is adjusted. That is smart. It is. Yep. Pretty, pretty nice. cool. So anyways, um, thank you, Tour Gear Designs, for the sponsorship of Four on the Floor, which we're going to hear right now from Dave Gill.
1: Do it.
2: All right. the The first one I got is from this guy in Belgium. It's called a Hex Revolver. And these are like micro loopers or basically sample manipulation pedals. And they do on the shorter side of making loops, but there's lots of ways you can manipulate them. Either making really, really short CD skipping sounds or loops that every time they repeat, they sort of pitch down, but because they're so short, it just sounds like a cascading kind of thing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they do. They have, there's a bunch of different models he's been making them for probably 10 years. And so there's at least like four or five different ones that have come out. I think the ones that he currently makes go up to like maybe five seconds on one. And then I think he makes a crazy expensive one that does like two minutes of recording. <laughs> but the, the way I use them is to do really glitchy, CD skipping stuttering sounds. And the ones that are best for that, as with every piece of gear ever is the old ones that you can't get anymore.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, And, but they're, they're just like really fun pedals. And a lot of the sounds that they make have recently become accessible in other things that are more readily available. Like like the red panda tensor does a lot of the similar, similar stuff. Yeah. Um, But yeah, these ones are just, they sound really awesome. The features are great. The way they work is really great. And I'm completely addicted to them. I have like four of them. Wow. Yeah. They're, they're like my favorite pedal in the world. And, and
0: the company is, the company is Hex? Hex. It's H-E-X-E. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. H-E-X-E. Yeah. And this one is called the Revolver. All right, everybody, make sure you go check that out. What's number yeah. two?
2: The 2 is the one that I like. I think the ones he makes now are like the DX and maybe like a DXL. They're all cool. It's but it's an it's one of those typical boutique pedal companies where you have to like email the guy and then you wait 6 months and then all of a sudden he emails you and he's like, "Hey, one's ready." And it's super expensive, <laughs> but they're really great pedals. So that's your second one, too. Um, no. Oh, no, that's I mean, I mean, what's your
0: next, one. yeah, <laughs> what's your next pedal in the four on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just all
2: four of them are that pedal. <laughs> um. All right, that's it. Yeah, that's done. Um, no, the second one is a, is a boss super shifter, the PS5, which does some pretty wild stuff. There's a tremor mode that does, uh, like faking dive bombs or in the opposite direction, dive ups. And if that's a thing, and then they also do this fake tremolo flutter sound. So I do a lot of really sort of cartoony, goofy sounds live in my band. And because I play baritones, it's hard to find ones that have trims and then you're dealing with tuning stability issues. So I just fake everything with boss PS5 and it's, (laughs) it's hilarious and it's so much fun fantastic Um, yeah those are great and then i don't know if this counts as a pedal but the echoplex digital pro which has a floor pedal, pedal controller it's the best looper ever made and they haven't made them in like years and years and years but nothing that's made now comes even close to what it's able to do and it was designed in the 90s
0: Interesting. So you're really screwing around with sound, man. Sounds like.
2: Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I just want everything to sound as harsh and bizarre as possible mixed in with just sort of like regular heavy music playing, but just stuff that sounds, I think stuff that a lot of people are doing in post-processing and like studio tricks, Mm -hmm. I try to do for real in real time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um and it's super fun. Yeah. I get it. it. a
0: little bit uh a little bit like uh, death by audio. I uh, whenever I think of that, I think of like okay, what is going to make something potentially make your head explode <laughs> while doing music and and just have you just so utterly confused and joyous at the same time is kind of like some of their stuff. <laughs>
2: yeah their stuff is wild or like the playing of like nick reinhardt and tara Mellos. he he does some really wild sounds mm-hmm. and or it's like it's what people thought in the 90s with Tamarello and rage against the machine it's like is that a guitar they're like yeah but it's weird yeah exactly and number and four last in line yeah it's the red panda particle 2 which It's just kind of like a catch-all for like weird granular delay stuff. The way that they've made that pedal work is, I feel like the best of all of the companies that are trying to do that stuff right now. They have a really top-notch DSP platform. So the fidelity is incredible. Mm -hmm. The way their controls work when you turn them is just really satisfying. And um, it's not that it's predictable, but it's like the controls like, have a really good taper. And a lot of times weird pedals just don't have things only work at the extremes and Mm. they have like everything in a full range of really musical stuff. uh, Just in this one little box that does just a handful of really cool and really weird things.
0: Interesting. That's cool. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the tensor before the red panda tensor. And um, yeah, there are certain pedals that, I have mentioned on the show that I say "aha" and then I say, "Yeah, nope, can't do it." I tried. <laughs> I tried. I, I, I honestly, I, I, tried at least three different times. I was like, "Nope, I'm gonna." Everybody's raving about this pedal. I'm, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, I probably still am. But uh, that one was just sort of over my head. I couldn't, couldn't really get a, a, grasp on it. And I, then I came to realize I think I think there are just a a certain number of pedals or types of pedals that people that have them, like they get all the pedals like this and they, they, they totally drive with it and then understand it. Um, sounds like you might be one of those people.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, it's actually, if you guys are familiar with the, I love fuzz forum, the, there's a thread over there called Glitchypedia that I started like <laughs> years ago. And it's basically just all of, the pedals that do that glitchy micro looping stuff documented with like a description of them. And it's an ongoing conversation wow. about all of those things because it's, it's a subset of pedals. And until a couple years ago, basically until the tensor came out, the only way that you could get those sounds was with these weird things that are hard to get or super expensive or wait list, or like some guy made 20 of them, years ago and you could to track one down and now they sell on reaver for eight hundred dollars yeah and they yeah. are not accessible to regular people yeah. and then red panda put out a pedal that it's like you can buy this all over the internet pretty much all the time and now you can get access to these sounds that were like basically unobtainable until they put that pedal out they were made of unobtainium
0: <laughs> yeah interesting uh yep I think I'm just gonna have to just like like rejoice in others who are able to to really use those until until I wrap my head around them but uh i'm 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 just happy that people are out there going like man this is
1: awesome look at what it does
0: <laughs> there's so much fun yeah that's cool very cool well thank you for sharing that I gotta say I am very surprised by your four on the floor based on the pedals that uh that you sent. <laughs> yeah, we were all dirt pedals. <laughs> uh well, dirt is an understatement. Um, <laughs> we'll get into that in just a second here. Uh we need to say a big fat thank you to John Fennell, uh J-O-N-F-I-N-T-E-L. He uh runs relay recording, which I'm sitting at right now. Right now. Uh, or at least I was when you're hearing this. Uh, so John is a is a Music producer, engine, recording engineer, mastering engineer, all of those things. He's a lifelong guitar player and uh, salivates over the guitar tone that you need, not the one that he wants. So uh, if you have been struggling trying to get your own guitar tone, or if you're interested in having someone capture that, uh, you should give him a jingle. Uh, johnfintel.com, J-O-N-F-I-N-T-E-L, and runs Relay Recording. Here in Columbus, uh, that is spelled phonetically. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, much thanks to him for uh providing us uh, a little space. I'm in, I'm literally in a, a big back room, and it's rather hot in here. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, we'll sort that out. And then it's a good thing, Jared's room. not there. Yeah, you know what we'd be hearing. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hot in here. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Which it is, in, in all fairness. Um, but he burns, you know, 8,000 calories a minute. So I, he's, you know, probably <laughs> running a little bit hotter than most. So, anyways, big thanks to that. And uh, wow, we're going to start talking to Dave Gill of Baltimore Sonic Research Institute about the pedals that he makes. Now, if you have not at yet gone over to see these things, go over to Instagram because you don't have a, you don't have a,
2: proper dot com website do you not yet I need to do that and get out from under selling things on reverb because yeah the price went up didn't they yeah Yeah. that just doesn't make sense
0: for me anymore yeah well uh, in the meantime head on over to Instagram and if you see something you like I'm sure you can just DM Dave and and he'll help you out right yeah definitely I do direct sale all the time awesome Uh, well, I locked onto what you were doing because of how they looked without even hearing. Okay. I'm flipping through. You can't always hear everything first. And we've talked about this many times on the show. The, you know, um, what does the pedal look like versus what does it sound like? We've brought up the, you know, the wine and beer sort of comparison of how do you buy beer? How do you buy wine? You can't always taste it. So what attracts you to it? And uh, I really appreciated the aesthetic that you came up with. And I was like, this is pretty interesting. I'd like to talk to this chap. Uh, and then I started hearing him and I was like, hey, oh, all right, let's, let's discuss this. So uh, we are going to find out about the pedals that he makes. He was uh, kind enough to send us three pedals and uh, we did an unboxing uh, you can see that over on Instagram I didn't do a demo of them um I've given all the reasons that I'm typically typically don't do demos I'm starting to occasionally so anyways uh so we we played these at home and um he sent us the FS the FzZ the sFG and the GFZ so there you go memorize that stuff and you're all good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and they were a lot of fun um, so let's talk about that because one of the reasons that uh, when I just mentioned hey I was really surprised by your four on the floor is that these are these put out some pretty heavy stuff folks the, these are dirt pedals to the nines so you can really make your guitar sound like the angriest bulldozer you've ever heard um, oh, I like that. Yeah, um, <laughs> but something that I appreciated on it, which I'll get to in a little bit, is is one of the uh, the nice features he has on each one of these pedals. So, Dave, take us to the take us to the the chrysalis at which you said there must be Baltimore Sonic Research Institute pedals.
2: Uh, so BSRI came about. I was in a band and we didn't have a bass player, which is typical with my bands, but this band was supposed to have one and they kept quitting and we were in the studio and I was before we were in the studio, but we were going to go in and track this record. And I wanted a big bass fuzz sound for a lot of the material. And I started looking around at the stuff online and I didn't really like any of the stuff that I was seeing. So I was like, ah, I'll just build something that will do this job and take it to the studio. And we we're tracking bass, And, uh, um, my friend, Kevin Bernstein, who does developing nations guitars here in Baltimore also it, records on my band developing nations guitars.
0: Yeah. They're aluminum nut guitars. They're incredible. Okay. I have to check those out. Developing nations guitars. All right.
2: But he, uh, here on the studio records a ton of heavy music and, We were tracking bass, and he turned around. He was like, "Yeah, I'm going to need one of those." (laughs) So, so then I, I was like, ah, I guess I'll start doing this, and because I had built pedals before, like ten years ago, and it was a very different kind of clientele that I was seeking out. I was building, you know, tone benders and buzz arounds and stuff, and going after that gear page money, and I ended up not liking it because I knew that half the pedals were just sitting on people's shelves or all of the inquiries were like, Hey, does this do black dog and stuff like that? (laughs) And, and it wasn't, I wasn't like building things for people that play music. Like I play, and I got tired of dealing with it. And now I feel like I've just gone in a total opposite direction. It's like, yeah, make stuff that sounds really ugly and gnarly. And if you like it, great. And it tends to be the people that buy my pedals tend to be people playing heavy and extreme music and that works out for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, but, I could understand that Plugging him in. I was like, well, I, it doesn't matter what I play. It's going to sound like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, the, some of them are definitely on the end of pedals that aren't super particular about, about what you're feeding them and they're very not transparent. So they make a sound, um, That'll be very square wave or not dependent on what they're feeding, what you're feeding it so much, but then you can sculpt what it puts out to a significant degree. Yeah. No, I plugged
0: a George Foreman grill into it and it sounded just like my Les Paul. I mean, it was really remarkable. (laughs) Did it sizzle? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The sizzle makes you know it's working. (laughs) Yeah. so uh, you know you you uh you've created the, this line of pedals that you know mm-hmm. you're trying to solve your own problem which is I think that's a a really interesting place to build from and I don't know that everybody has had that opportunity I know we've had a lot of builders on who have just started building pedals cuz they like pedals um but I have always thought it's very interesting when someone is like, I can't find the thing that I need, so I need to make the thing that I need. And then other people go, I need that too.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't mean to make it seem like I'm some sort of genius. Like the first thing I built was basically a modified boss hyperfuzz, which is what became the FZZ. But it's, and I think a lot of people's origin comes from like the first thing they built and then they started building. Building more stuff. But for me, that was like fifteen or seventeen years ago. So when I decided to start building things again, I kind of had all like the tools in my brain and in my shop knocking around to sort of like jump in the deep end mm-hmm. right off the bat. But also the somebody that's been really instrumental in this company. We don't work together, but he does all P C B design, is somebody you guys know is John Snyder. Hey oh drink. Yeah, John- John Snyder is like the wizard of Oz of pedal builders. If you look in 50% of small builder pedals, there'll be a little thing that says layout by electronic audio experiments.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he can stop building pedals altogether and just do that.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's such a sweet dude and like, I'll send him like a schematic and a bill of materials and he'll like make little recommendations just about like infrastructure that I feel like makes my stuff so much more professional than the design I deliver him. And it's like, I'm eternally grateful for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And keep in mind,
0: uh, he's doing all that at least up until recently while he's getting a degree in like quantum physics, literally that kind of uh, oh, yeah. stuff. I mean, it's <laughs> when we had him on the show the second time, he was describing what he was doing and it was, it was just mind bending. Like he was creating some machine that studies or that something about purple light. And it was like how that was going to maybe save the world. And he was serious about it, which I believe, I mean, it, if he says so, it it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that? Do
3: you think that he's actually had a breakthrough and can actually travel through time, and that's why he knows so much about this electronic stuff? It might be the case. He's jumped into
0: the future and come back. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a. Maybe that tells us about the future if he's already if he came back. Um, <laughs> so, uh, boy. Anyways. Um, well. Well, that that explains a lot because I, you know. I will say when I cracked open the back of this, I was like, wow, this is a really well built pedal. And I don't mean from a, from a layout standpoint. So credit does go to you for like, I mean, these things were really clean and they looked fantastic. And I could tell they were carefully built and thought of. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, we see a lot of pedal guts and, it's not always the case but that doesn't mean somebody's doing it you know bad or wrong it's just some people really revel in that and some people don't and as long as it still sounds good i don't know that it matters um nope but i appreciate it uh anyways um you're i want to talk about you 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 kind of have a an aesthetic that is uh, appealed to me i guess the industrial nature of it it just felt like a like a machine that was going to do something that required somebody to read a, um, to, to have an expertise to use it. And I don't mean that in an off-putting way, but like, you know, sort of like super, super computers, you know, it was like, wow, there's a lot of heavy duty equipment here, but it's actually really easy. How did you come up with that aesthetic?
2: Uh, I think it's kind of just a function of what the, the graphics are on, So, like, we were talking about laser cutters earlier, and most of my, up until recently, all of my faceplates were two-color laser-cut acrylic. So, they have that sort of, like, lab equipment panel kind of look to them. Mm -hmm. And everything is, like, pretty simple, sans-type faces with indexes around the knobs. So, it's, like, kind of just, like, looks technical, but it's not super fancy. I don't really care for, like, A really big crazy UV printed full color graphic that so many companies do nowadays. Mm -hmm. I just want it to look like professional and simple and relatively minimalist. And but I also didn't want to deal with having to screen print enclosures or get enclosures printed. I just wanted to be able to work from raw enclosures and then put whatever faceplate on them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of just a a result of like how everything works rather than like explicitly the design aesthetic Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean I do a lot of I used to do a lot of graphic design for work and so for this I mean they're not like the paramount of like graphic design but it's like they look exactly how I want them to look in terms of like yeah they've got knobs and they say words and everything looks just super tight and clean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then recently so those were the the laser cut acrylic ones recently I've moved to using PCB faceplates, which is like on the SFG where the graphics are actually gold. Yeah. So they are gold plated copper for all the graphics. So they're way more durable. They're way more cheaper. If we're talking about laser cutter upkeep, which I don't pay, I paid somebody else to do face plates and they were like $10 a piece. It was insane. Um, The acrylic ones, you mean? Yeah, the acrylic ones. PCBs are way cheaper, way more durable, and they have far fewer dimensional accuracy issues.
0: Mm. Yeah, boy. So you you probably have a really nice laser cutter.
2: I do not. I was getting my stuff done by a San Francisco company, and that's why it was really expensive. Mm. Um, I couldn't... I feel like I couldn't justify even like the entry level of laser cutters, which is like, still seem to be around two grand for something that's worthwhile. Yeah. And I don't really have the space for it either. Well, uh, one thing
0: that made me like, I, I, they just kind of, they almost have a, a, a brutalist kind of look to them. And, and just in the sense of, it's not meant to be beautiful. It's meant to, to be functional, but in that it still looks kind of beautiful, you know, that's my, yeah, I think. Totally you. uh, yeah. You're not trying to be like, this is a doom pedal, you know, it's just like, no, yeah. this, this is going to make noise. So you had better pay attention to what these knobs are doing.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would definitely say that like some of the aesthetic of my pedals, comes from liking stuff, you know, maybe a decade ago from like guys like Ed Remble, the tones are, um, who just had like a really elegant design sense to his pedals mm-hmm. or still does. Um, just very, very, simple, straightforward, not a lot of, there's basically nothing extraneous.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, one thing I alluded to this
0: in the previous thing, and I know, uh, Tony was, was digging on this too, is the, uh, the blend knob. I've brought this up in other um, interviews when we're playing around with pedals. And I think that that is like, that's one of the the knobs that I get most excited about whenever I see a pedal because it allows me to, to dial in as much of that so I can get as much of that sound as I want, but it doesn't have to override everything. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like... If, if, if someone, if John Schneider could, could go back, go back in time and put a blend knob on a, on a phase 90, I mean, that would be pretty smart. (laughs) I'm just saying, uh, but we know he can't, he can only go forward. So John Godspeed to you in the, in the future, come back with some more goodies for us. (laughs) Um, but I love the blend and I know that that is, that's kind of a common thing with, with bass pedals. Um, I don't see it as much in guitar pedals. Why do you think that is?
2: Uh, A couple that SFG and the FCZ are definitely designed for bass. They also sound cool for guitar. Mm -hmm. So that's why they have, that's why I felt like they needed blends because I feel like a blend is somewhat requisite to be taken seriously as a bass pedal. Mm -hmm. But I feel like guitar players think that blends aren't for them because they think of them only as a clean blend, which sounds weird for guitar, but it's really just whatever's coming before that pedal then gets blended in. Or you can blend your amp distortion with the pedal or an overdrive beforehand with the pedal without it being you know, automatically stacking. So you right. can get pretty complex layered tones like you could layer an overdrive with a really heavy fuzz, get a blend between them and get both voices pretty distinctly in the mix. It doesn't just have to be like, Oh, clean tone only.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it makes it sound like you're running like two different, two different amps or two different pedal boards or something or two different guitars at the same time. Yeah. i putting them at the end, like at the end of like everything blending in uh, an overdrive signal with like, uh, you know, delay and maybe even a heavy reverb and then having this at the end and i know technically you know if you're using a fuzz you shouldn't have it at the front but eh, who knows maybe that would sound fantastic
2: well that's a big thing about these fuzz pedals is a lot of fuzz pedals will only behave if they're first in line and if you're using passive pickups and if the temperature is right and you have good wiring in your house and all this stuff and so these pedals don't care about any of that stuff. They'll behave the same at, at the front of your line, at the end of your line. If you're using a guitar with EMGs, just any of that stuff, they were designed to do what they do and not be picky. Like you don't have to work for them. They work for you. So you could totally run them at the end of the chain and then like mix in a tiny bit. It's like, if you wanted like a blown speaker effect, you yeah. could do that with just like really mild stuff or if it's like if you just want all of your reverb and delay decay to just get blown out at the end of a song or something you can totally do that and it's not going to like overly compress and be weird like a fuzz face or something would be
0: yeah yeah uh Ren and cuff does uh uh you know with uh, with his fuzz pedals he he has a a knob that you can get on it that is a is a is a blend, which is, I just think it's so nice because I want, I want some of the characteristics, you know, like almost like the the harmonic characteristics of a, of a fuzz, the overtones, but I don't necessarily want to be like, all right, now I'm playing fuzz sound, everybody. You know, I, I like having things in my sound that are not necessarily distinguishable, but add to the overall color of it. And I know Tony's just shaking his head, rolling his eyes as he usually does, but that's the guy, that's the honest truth. And, and I'm not, this isn't a plug. I just, I swear straight up. That is what John helped me do in the studio. So big massive thanks to John for John Fennel for doing that. Um. So I appreciate that. And instantly when I, when I plugged in, I said, Oh, Oh, oh here we go with the big heavies. But then I was like, wait a minute. I could really play around with this and that that fuzz because these are specific sounding pedals and I think that's probably based because I was playing a guitar out of what is really made for a bass. Is that fair to say? So I would
2: say that that's somewhat true but like the the core of the FCZ is basically a Univox Super Fuzz kind of circuit mm-hmm. and then it has a, an active EQ and a blend wrapped around it. So it, it's a lot more flexible than a classic super fuzz would be. But if you would play that with a guitar, you could totally play this with a guitar. Right. Um, and it'll do, you know, the, the, the active EQ in that one is kind of extreme because it's meant to be like as wild as possible. The SFG was designed as sort of like a bass distortion, but then, you know, sort of like a no holds barred, like this is designed exclusively for bass. But then when it was done, I was like, let me see what it sounds like with guitar, which I can't believe I didn't do before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's kind of like a, just a vintage distortion on steroids, kind of like in that rat MXR distortion to kind of vibe. Right. Um, and it'll do, it does a lot of tones for guitar as well. The, the blend on that one is a totally different configuration that I do now, which is it, uh, it's parallel processing. So instead of choosing, you know, a mix control between buzz and dry, you're basically just bringing up a separate dry signal that can get louder than unity. And then you can filter highs out of that. If you don't want sort of like trebly clean in there and you just want low end or something like that.
0: It, yeah. That one has a ton of range to it. I, I really did appreciate that. Very cool. And so the, the, uh, S F stands for super fuzz. You
2: no, know, The F Z Z is just like, I wanted to, this is, the names are so arbitrary The I just wanted a simple, you know, just three letter name to just go around with a simple aesthetic. And then I realized I locked myself into this weird structure. <laughs> um, but the SFG is sub frequency grind. And then the G F Z is just glitch fuzz because gotcha. it does all sorts of glitchy stuff. Gotcha.
0: All right. Okay. Uh, so you, those are, those are your core offerings. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, I'll do like a custom or a short little run of other kind of stuff every once in a while, but those are the real products that I make.
0: Mm. What is when you're making these, uh, when you're coming up with a new design, uh it, it, I don't know if you're working on anything new right now, but like, what are some of the challenges that you're encountering having already established a handful that are, um, that are successful that you've, you've really honed, honed everything in on now that you have those like established. Is there something that
2: you find as a challenge right now? Yeah. Just making something, Thing that is compelling and does something interesting that hasn't already been done or actually being able to improve on the craft because the the standard for pedals nowadays is so high like you have to make something really well at a price point and there's not you know a thousand other versions of that thing on the market uh you know, 10 or 15 years ago, every company that came out just made a tube screamer, a super hard-on clone, and a rat. And they were like, okay, call it a day. We make three clones. Somehow they sell for $400 in a fancy painted box. And and that's all they make. And then they just get tired of it after a while. Nowadays, I don't think anybody could get away with that at all. Or they certainly wouldn't be able to command those crazy you know, bubble prices that they used to get. So making something that is different or better than other things is really difficult. Like I haven't designed anything in the last couple of months because nothing has come to me that it's like, this needs to be designed. And, you know, is it something that I want that I don't think like either a friend of mine or, you know, a colleague, like their version is just better than I could ever make. Mm -hmm. So, it's that's the thing that's the challenge. I mean, actually making the thing and designing it is tough at times, but a lot of times it's just like do some research, read some books, like read some articles about the theory behind these things, and then try a bunch of stuff. But it's man, like picking the thing to do is sometimes really difficult, especially if there's a a barrier. So like all of my pedals are just analog distortion circuits um, that use a variety of different tricks to do what they do. But a lot of the things that I'm thinking about doing going forward are like, okay, hey, I need to learn about, you know, compression circuits, or I would need to get into some sort of ESP processing to do things I want to do. And that's a huge learning
0: curve. Being where you are right now, and you just described a challenge or a hurdle that uh, you might be facing as you're thinking of new ways to expand your own pedal line. What would you say to your younger starting out self right now? What advice would you give yourself?
2: Oh, just don't bother with germanium anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why not? It's supposed to sound different.
2: I mean, it definitely sounds different. It sounds good. Um, there are a lot of things that you can do that companies do now that make pedals behave. The problem is when I was doing it, there were a couple established companies that were like the internet had decided that those people were the best and everybody else was second class. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you feel like you're like, you can't punch through and make the best thing, then it just becomes kind of a bummer. And that specific market of like vintage style, germanium fuzz pedals, depends really heavily on this category of, or this like weird space of like, a little knowledge is a terrible thing, where Mm. people like, have heard that there's gotta be the right part number of transistor in there. And that really doesn't mean anything relative to the math that's going on inside. So, you know, it's like, you can make something that sounds super awesome, but if in the specs, it doesn't say that it's the right kind of germanium transistor nobody's going to buy it. Yeah. And so it's like, if I could have just skipped all of that and just been like, just don't waste your time with any of that, just start from the ground up and make something original. It would have saved us all a lot of time. Mm. Interesting.
0: That reminds me of some of the stuff that our friend at hello sailor does, which is you open oh. up the back and you're like, is this a bomb?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you, where on earth did you get a a, a capacitor this size, you know, or, or this shape, you know? Um,
2: that's, that's a specific subgenre of pedals where it's just like everything is just culled from weird surplus places. And some of those guys, I've seen backplates of pedals where they list every single part that's in the pedal. Like it's like that's the spec sheet and it's like part by part where it's like yeah i use like high quality resistors and caps but they're not so much a selling point these people are like 1960s Mullard this and 1972 panasonic this based on date codes and it's like an incredibly curated experience yeah and that stuff sells like that
1: it does it's it's I have to do the same thing and, and sell my product. Some people ask me all those questions. I have to come up all the answers. Yeah, you know, tell them where I get this. What type of steel do I use with my iron parts in my pickup? Is it, you know, ten eighty? You know, is it ten thirteen? What, you know, is it pre World War Two steel? Corkscrew you know? stuff. <laughs> Very deep, weird. Nobody else can think of it.
2: Uh, weird stuff a lot of the times the things that people fixate on don't make enough of a difference to make it worth fixating.
0: No, no. Amen. (laughs) It is a weird thing though, because I think when you get into the kind of enthusiast realm, like I have a guitar that has a big giant orange drop in it. Right. And I don't see it all the time, but I know it's there and that's kind of cool. There's a cool. I I like that. It is like, ooh, that's kind of cool in there, right? And when you start to, aside from the, you know the entry th- the entry level things, where you're like, okay, I got my my one or two first guitars and I got these standard pedals, then it becomes, I want to get several hand painted pedals, or I want to get I want to get some that are, uh, you know, like like yours, where it's like this is a very industrial looking kind of thing, or I want to get ones that when you open it up, you're like, wow, this is so incredibly well done. You can fixate on just about anything and go gonzo on that. And that's one of the cool things about, you know, the world, the guitar world that we're in is there's room for everybody. You know, the whole idea that there's how many overdrives you need, all of them, all of them. That's how many.
2: (laughs) Well, you need as many as you possibly buy until you find one that says I don't need anymore. And that's like, I don't want to hate on the romance of gear and pursuing gear and buying stuff and learning things. It's just, I feel like a lot of the time people never spend enough time, like really playing things and realizing that none of it matters or they don't play for other people. They play exclusively in their home. And then the only thing you can do is fixate and obsess. Yeah. And what? it's like, if you can just go and play with other people, you're like, yeah, the steel in this bass plate of this pickup does not matter.
0: Yeah. It's a, the, the romance for, for the sake of romance or the romance in lieu of the more meaningful experience. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand what you're saying. Well, man, it has been super fun learning about your super awesomely long name pedal company. Um <laughs> and uh, I really do encourage everybody to go give them a listen, especially if you're looking for something slightly different, like you might not think that you want a dirt pedal that is designed for a bass but might actually make your guitar sound like nobody else's. That is kinda cool so um check out this stuff go over to uh go over to Baltimore Sonic Research institute. <laughs> And, uh, you know, look for it on the web and you'll find it and go to Instagram and you you can, you can talk directly to Dave and, and, and he'll make you something pretty
2: sure that's how it works, right? That's right. Actually, I have everything in stock all the time. (laughs) It's in a big (laughs) warehouse. I hate, I hate, no, I seriously, I hate waiting for things or waiting for somebody to build something. Mm -hmm. I don't hate it. Sometimes it's fun, but you know, if you just want a pedal and it's like, okay, it's going to take me a month to build it. Like I try to avoid that and I try to have, you know, fifteen, twenty of everything on hand at all times so that when people want it, it ships out later that day and they get it in a couple of days. Awesome. That's good to know. Yeah. Hopefully that
1: doesn't backfire in the future because if you know enough people find out about you and all of a sudden you sell out and then you do have that two to three week wait time, oh, everybody no. else is gonna say, hey. <laughs> I thought it only took like instant
2: to get my pedal. Well, then I get to you know. be one of those pedal builders that launches like 50 of something at 537 on Wednesday afternoon or right. their website crashes. And then, <laughs> you know, and then you just sell them all. So I There's wouldn't be happy that. to be in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we all want.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, we're going to mosey on over to a little area that is completely occupied by one person.
1: And there's only no room enough for one <laughs> sheriff in town, and that is yeah. me. Would you rather?
0: Little pitchy dog. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Coming from you? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> All right. From our new honorary nub patron, Riley Cottrell from Sfumato Circuits. All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Would you rather invent a groundbreaking circuit in today's day and age that Petal. shapes and- like a pedal? Right, exactly. Okay. On a pedal that shapes the nature of music to come. So you're going to basically come up with a circuit that shapes the nature of music, you know, like rock or grunge or whatever. You're going to invent another thing, another genre. Another pedal. Or, right, from making a pedal. Or be the inventor of a groundbreaking circuit that's already around, such as Klon... Centaur, or Big Muff, Deluxe Memory Man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All so right. would you rather, you know, I I see the question. You're going to either invent a pedal that's going to, you know, change the nature of music, or do you want to be, you know, the... In the
0: Hall of Fame of uh, pedal
1: Yeah, like, already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the big names,
0: sure. All right. That's a good one, especially for a friend Dave here. Uh, Tony, uh, what about you? I think I think that I will
3: I think I'm going to jump in my time machine and go to the future and uh, and find out what that music genre is. And I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to invent the an earth shattering groundbreaking pedal for the music of the future. All right. I'm going to hang out with John Snyder. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't show him your time machine, though. That's disgusting. Oh. Hey, yo. Um, Jared, how about yourself?
1: Yeah, I'd I'd much rather be the uh, invent a groundbreaking circuit in today's day and age that shapes the uh, nature of the music to come. I would definitely want to be that guy. Why? because i i don't really care for the other stuff i don't okay yeah. i don't know <laughs> i mean I, he, wants, made, he wants, wants the, the little children
3: it. of the future to say oh grandpa jared he invented the, the
0: something later awesome. the, the, the wonculator. i the love the wonky-lator. Wonky-lator. There that's you go. it it's Wampus. well the we wonky-lator. know dave can't take that because it's more than three letters. So,
1: all made of all germanium, yes. all germanium, everything. Yeah. And all cork sniffer type
0: circuits. Yes. <laughs> all yep. right. Dave, how about yourself?
2: Uh, I mean, I probably, when you think about those people that designed that stuff, <laughs> those people that designed that stuff back in the day, a lot of those guys or people some of them weren't even guitar players. They were just designing a thing and it was the only thing on the market. So it got picked up and then that became the sound. And so I think it would just be like weird to be, you know, like Leo Fender didn't even play guitar, like that kind of thing where you're like, yeah, he's, he's the guy for this thing designed the greatest electric guitar ever. The guy didn't even play guitar and he was just sort of like, he nailed it kind of, I mean, definitely for sure. I shouldn't say nailed it kind of, but he, <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever man he
3: did. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. He did all right. right. But he, you know, it was just kind of like, I can't imagine trying to design something when you couldn't even use it yourself. And I feel like yeah. that's the case with a lot of, a lot of electronic design from back in the day, um, where just be like a company that sells radios decided to get into the, fuzz pedal industry. So they just made a thing with this transistors that wouldn't work in their radio or something like that. I'd rather be somebody nowadays that sort of like, you know, makes a thing that is compelling now because I don't know, just because it's a hard question. It's a harder thing
1: to do nowadays
2: because there's so much competition. Well, and there's so little, like we're thinking of this in terms of like guitar equipment but really, the answer to that question is going to be something that makes creation accessible to people that don't have years to put into learning an instrument. Mm.
0: That's interesting. take or, on it.
2: I believe the or, banjo,
3: I believe the banjo will be the future instrument. I got a banjo guitar. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: Interesting. How about Ooh. you, Todd? Well, you all just touched on something that, to me, makes it more worthwhile to chase, which is something in the future. uh, Because I do think it is at this stage more difficult because, you know, as uh, some of the pedals that were mentioned, you know, like, yeah, it'd be really cool if you say I designed the the original Fuzz Face, but there wasn't any other stuff around. And that's a relatively low bar. (laughs) Man. And you'd be you'd probably be dead by
1: now too or just really old. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, well there's that, <laughs> there is too. that. I don't want to be I don't want to be that. I want to be alive now. But no, I think the I think the uh, the opportunity and challenge and certainly the exposure now is far greater. I mean the guy we're talking about people that design stuff that you know never got recognition for those things. Um and now if that happened, I mean it, you would definitely get the recognition. Um, and uh, I think a, a, a sense of accomplishment too, as, as Dave was talking about, it's like, it's really difficult to cr- to, to put your finger on something and you're like, wait, I don't know that this exists. Or if it does, it doesn't exist in the way that I need it to. And I think that is like incredibly rewarding to be able to do. So that's what I would do. That was a very good one. I like that. That was an excellent. Would you rather nicely done? Yes. Yeah. So thanks for sending that in. If you are listening there and you're like, yeah, I could probably do. Would you rather better, better, better? At least it's good. So um, they talk like me then. <laughs> no, that's just my, vo- that's the one that that's my go to for all those kind of things. Okay. Uh, please send it to us. We'll, we'll read it. We'll discuss it. And you can uh, yell at your steering wheel if you don't agree with it. Yeah. Um, All right, we need to thank a couple people, and then we're going to be out skis, okay? Do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tony Baloney? Yes. Do
3: it. So, at this point of the show, Todd likes to invite me to thank a special group of people. Yep. That would be our executive producers. Now, a lot of you might be thinking, what is an executive producer? And... More importantly, how can I, as a mere mortal, become one? Here's what I want you to do. You go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. You'll find a couple of different levels in which you can participate and become a patron of this very podcast. The guitar knobs. You know that? Yep. yep. Are you familiar with this podcast? I am. Nice. Each level comes with a, a, a lot of different thank you gifts, things like go oh, barefoot buttons and keychains and t-shirts. stickers and T-shirts and and giveaways and oh, oh my yeah. goodness, all kinds of great, 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 great stuff. Yep. But uh, the top of the heap, as we like to say, would be the executive producer. And so, in addition to all that great stuff, the swag and the, and the fun and the warm, warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart that you get, there's one more thing that happens. Yep. And, Jared, what is that? You get to have your name read on the thing by Tony your, Baloney. Your name read on the thing. And that's what I'm going to do right now. So, a special thanks to these executive producers. Tom Barazin, Martin Cliff, John Daly. Chris Kearney, Darren Gregory, Doug Christ, Michael Van Zant, Ken Sayers, Brian Robison, Michael Senchuk, Stefan Lamb, Johnny Knowles, Anthony Lanthrop, John Anglin, Tyler Bray, Brad Partridge, Chris Heidel, John Esterley, Doug Gann, Justin Jones, Brett Alexander, James White, Matt Hart, Liam Martin, James Pennington, Richard Kendall, Levi Main, and hey, let's welcome back a good, good friend of ours, Mr. Tig Harmon. All right. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back, back. Tighe.
1: Welcome back Tighe. Glad you're home.
3: Yes, indeedy. But wait, 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 wait. Who's standing There's, on top of that heap? There are the grand pubas. Yeah, He's they familiar have, orange, with
1: this group. have orange hats.
3: They wear a very special fez that is part that sets them apart, I should say, from all of the other executive producers. That's right. So we'd like to thank this special group of Grand Pubas. That's Jonathan Jerusic, Corey Nigro, David Kaminga, Cody Lane, Cody Foster, Sean S. S. Tommy Manasco. Mark Garton, Christopher Marshall, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, and wait, what? Huh? Two new Grand Poobas. Who are they, old buddy? That would be Zach Melton. Zach, a tip of the old fez to you. And Mr. Tim Nowak, who upgraded from just a regular executive producer. He Which is, is okay. now. Yeah, absolutely. He is
0: now. A grand poobah! Hey, man, congratulations. Oh congratulations! Thank what you a so fantastic very much. List. Thank you all so very much for contributing to our you. show. We certainly yep. do. Much obliged. And there, we'll have some for all the new people. We got some great awards coming out to you. I promise. Right. Yep. Um, Dave Gill, t- tell people where they can get your stuff.
2: Uh, at BSRI Audio on Instagram me up i have stuff listed on reverb as well um glad to hear from you
0: awesome make sure you people do that he makes some mighty fine equipment for your guitar sounds tony baloney how about yourself
3: oh just head over to pickguardian.com and you can check out some of the stuff that i have available for sale kind of you know order online but you know by and large most of what i do is custom work so Get a hold of me. Let me know what you need, what you're thinking in terms of color and pickup layout and controls and all that stuff. And I will make something very, very special just for you. That's
1: true. It's true. Jared? Yes. If you're looking for guitar pickups, go to brandonwoundpickups.com and uh, check out the... Uh, different pickups that i do i do new pickups uh new pickups that look old and i have a new product now what's that i have m69 rings they're called 1959 clone m69 rings they are they are the correct shade of cream they are butyrate they have all the right tooling marks and they actually blacklight so that means they glow in the black light. They're exactly like originals. You can't really tell
0: the difference. Why is that? Why is that a thing, Jared?
1: All that is important for the. Um, I don't want to say cork sniffer. That's a little harsh for the avid 59 era Les Paul collectors that want to make their custom shop or R8 R9 whatever 59 Les Pauls exactly how it came from the factory at Gibson. There you go. So that's what I do, man. I appease my customers, and many of them are them.
0: Yep. Yeah. And if you just want some better sound and pickups that are to make your awesome, your tone sound fantastic, hit them up.
1: Thank you, Todd.
0: You are welcome, sir. Uh, you can send me an email, Todd at theguitarnobs.com, or you can shoot me a DM on Instagram and uh, yeah, let us know what you're up to. Let us know what you like about the show. Let us know um, give us a, would you rather we'll read it. And, um, we really do appreciate everybody. And also make sure if you w- want to start listening on YouTube, get on over there and make sure you hit the subscribe button. Okay. Hit subscribe on YouTube, hit subscribe on our Instagram for Pete's sakes. I know how many people listen and doggone it. You're not hitting it button and you're not going to get the stuff in your feed right away if you do and you follow us and you'll get the stuff in the feed like when we give stuff <laughs> away or when we have 10 percent off on these awesome patch cables so all right everybody dave gill thank you so much for joining us tonight we had a great time with you thanks you are welcome uh everybody else have a fantastic guitar week and subscribe yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Now I feel like an idiot. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes for on the floor blog and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs.